I was watching it in passing, but my brother was actually really watching it. And then he called me and was like, you better come see this. And so I went and had a look and I heard about Mars One. And at first I said, this can't, this, this has to be, this can't be real. And so I went, I went, being the curious person I am, I went off and did a ton of research into it. And I was like, wow, this is beyond my ultimate dream. I know if I don't apply, I'm going to regret this. That's Devarshan Govenda, software engineer, physicist and researcher, and traveler, potential future Martian. Devarshan is one of 100 people shortlisted globally in the Mars One project, which is an international effort to send humans to Mars in 2031 one way. What compels someone like Devarshan to leave this planet forever? I may have some idea. I'm one of the other 100 candidates shortlisted to go. My name is Diane McGrath, and for National Science Week this year, Josh Richards and myself will be meeting some of the other Mars 100 candidates from around the world who may one day be joining us on the Red Planet. We'll be asking them the question that everybody once answered. Why? You're listening to the Future Martians podcast with Diane McGrath and Josh Richards. A special presentation for National Science Week 2018. Well, it's another episode of Future Martians, and this time we're, well, lucky enough to have on board with us uh, one of our our colleagues from uh, South Africa, and that's Devashan Govenda. Devashan, thanks so much for joining us. Uh, Thank you for having me. Oh, you're very welcome. Now, just before uh, we hopped on the podcast, I was trying to make sure that um, I was correct in the pronunciation of your name because it's um, I could, it's an important point of respect, I believe. And uh, and you were telling me this, uh, there's an interesting backstory to your name and, and your family history. Uh, would you mind sharing some of that with everybody? Um, sure. Well, um, um, not many people may know the story of how um, Indians ended up in a place like South Africa. Um, so just to go back a little bit, um, Indian people were brought from India as indentured laborers, um, a long time ago to work in the sugarcane fields, um, as farmers. Um, and it's quite a funny story how, how close that can be to you. Um, I found out not too long ago that it was actually, um, my grandfather, my, my great-grandfather that, that made, the, made the trip. Um, and when my parents were going to have a... went actually to the priest to get what my name should be, it was a very long and complicated traditional name. And my dad, who has a long and complicated traditional name, said, um, I think we'll go with a simpler one. And hence it was <laughs> devotion. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, it's a very elegant name, Devarshan. It's lovely. It just it just flows off the off the tongue. It's, and it's it's just a fascinating story as well about that connection uh, with with immigration from the past uh, uh, and towards what could be a future of immigration, hopefully to another planet. How did you get uh, involved originally? That was an interesting uh, connection there. Um, with regards to how my great grandfather. Uh, ended up in South Africa. He, I guess you could say curious, and maybe maybe that's where my curiosity stems from, but um, he was at the docks at the day of when they were getting people and, and that were promised a better life and, and putting them on, on 
ships. Um, and he kind of was curious and, and went to find out what was happening and got swept up aboard. Um, and once he was in, he ended up in South Africa and he couldn't read or write. So getting a message back home was, was a bit problematic for the first few months. Wow. Just extraordinary to think about that, you know, there are so many similarities towards what people think about as well for those who will be the first people to go to Mars, the, the, the difficulty in communicating back to earth and, um, that, you know, um, and, and even, even that the new land that we don't know what it will be like, you know, we have this idea and concept. Exactly. What a fascinating story and the connection there. Quite an, quite an amazing, um, kind of connection between past and future. Um, like if, if I have to look at, at what my great grandfather did, um, I'm thankful for him doing that. Um, if he hadn't done that, I wouldn't be the person I am today. Um, I wouldn't have had the opportunities that I did have. And um, it, it's, it's quite fascinating looking at what a mistake in the past resulted <laughs> in. It's quite yes. fascinating. It's extraordinary. Just amazing, and uh, but and yet at some time there would have been many people on those original ships as well that had made a, a definite choice to do it too. Exactly, no, definitely, and um, I mean the the amazing the amazing thing about about it is that people people just generally have the need to explore, I guess. Um, if you look all throughout history, there's always been this need when you see something to explore it. Is this something that's within you as well? Is it a very strong part of, of who you are? Um, I think something something that is a very strong part of who I am is curiosity. And um, I've been in love with space since a very young age. Um, when I was quite young, before I even had started schooling, um, my cousins and I used to have competitions of testing each other's knowledge. And um, space was always the one that was uh, the, the point of questioning. <laughs> um, and and uh, that competitive nature built in with curiosity um, made space very alluring to me. And is that uh, what excited you when you first heard about Mars One? Was it the, one of the main... Um, points of once again connection. I, I guess you could say that, but um, how I'd, how I would put it is that for the longest time before before even Mars One came about, um, I had this ultimate dream of going to space, just just plainly and simply going to space, because I had never thought in our lifetime it would be possible to go beyond that. Um, I mean, I, I've, I've been like involved in a lot of reading and I mean, my career as well put me through the realities of what our tech and our projects of the time would allow us. And so going to space was just my ultimate dream. And then I was watching the news one day and the Mars One project came on a on a bit and 
I was watching it in passing, but my brother was actually really watching it. And then he called me and was like, you better come see this. And so I went and had a look and I heard about Mars One. And at first I said, this can't, this, this has to be, this can't be real. And so I went, I went, being the curious person I am, I went off and did a ton of research into it. And I was like, wow, this is beyond my ultimate dream. I know if I don't apply, I'm going to regret this. And I'm not a person that likes to live with regrets. So off I went. And I guess the rest you can say is history. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I can, I mean, just, just what you were saying before about it being something of your childhood, just I can imagine when you first hear about it, the excitement. Was your brother interested as well? Uh, my brother's quite different from myself. Uh, he is interested in space, not very interested in going to it. Um, mm. It was it was a funny story of how I actually applied. I, I did tell my parents, um, of course, that about the Mars One project and that I did want to apply. But at the time, I was doing my my BSc in applied maths and physics, um, and I think they might have misunderstood what I was talking about. Because, I mean, how do you react to your son telling you that there's a program to possibly set foot on another planet and he wants to apply? So I think they might have misunderstood some way, believing it was a summer, summer camp of sorts. <laughs> but I mentioned it once or twice to them. And then I did my entire application more or less in secret uh, in my room, did everything myself. And um, it became very real for them once I had made it through and the interviews started rolling in. <laughs> mm, uh, yes, I bet. Has, has it been something that they've been challenged with during that time? Um, I think as, as the journey has gone on, um, they've actually, they, the understanding has, has become somewhat better. Um, my dad and my dad's very supportive. Um, he really understands. Uh, he understands what I want uh, to do with this. And um, my mom's very supportive as well. But of course, she's a mom, and I'm her son, and it's difficult for her. <laughs> of course, I completely understand. <laughs> and has it been with your the study that you did do in um, with mathematics and physics has that led you down a particular career path? Um, what what has your path been since then that might even take you closer to Mars? So initially, um, I went off to study applied maths and physics with the intention of going into astrophysics. Um, I did I did spend quite a bit of time during my undergrad and and a bit outside of that. It, in astrophysics and into in the research world. And while I was going down that path, I found that I didn't really enjoy the atmosphere within the research world, but I found another passion, which was software engineering. And that's where I currently am. Uh, a lot of learnings from where I, what I studied still apply. I mean, I'm, I'm, I don't regret studying what I did one bit. Um, actually love what I studied and I still keep I still keep abreast of, of things in, in, in my sector that I did study uh, but I still do a lot of outreach and a lot of uh, STEM related outreach because I think within like in South Africa we don't really I think we have an externalization of STEM related careers um, kids in school 
see space and and astronomy and astrophysics as a thing that NASA does <laughs> and not something not not a viable career path that they can go in um, and I mean I I go out there and I tell them that not all physicists are old gray-haired men in lab coats <laughs> and um, that and it's a viable career option in South Africa now. I mean, we have won the bid to host a, a square kilometer a in partnership with you guys in Australia, and um, and it's definitely it's definitely amazing seeing the realization in a lot of these kids' eyes. I've I've already known one one kid that really is following interchanging his career path just because he wasn't aware that these opportunities were available to him. Um, and it's quite it's quite awesome seeing that. Yeah, that'd be fantastic. So rewarding, uh, and just to to think that you've helped ignite that fire for for those young minds. And you were saying before just about that you you did it was a um, a research sort of path initially as well with the astrophysics and um, and even though you know you, you took a different path down software engineering, I can I can see that that it's still problem solving in different in a different form. Definitely. Um, Something that I find quite interesting is software engineering uh, within the context of uh, rocket launches and uh, rocket science. Um, it's quite interesting reading up some of the articles about the SpaceX software engineers and the challenges they face, as well as, as the software they use. It's quite different programming something for uh, everyday use when in, in relation to looking at someone that's programming something that needs to work then and there. And if it fails, it's costing someone and a company quite a bit of money. Um, and so definitely I'm interested in, in how software engineering is used in space science. And is it somewhere, like I'm just thinking about um, what needs to be done in that area. We know with the the initial concepts that have been developed by Mars One, but also what's on the um, the, the future forecast for for NASA and SpaceX and the other agency uh, organizations. Um, where do you think we need to be taking what we're doing with with software engineering and our technology to ensure that we are getting closer to what is essentially like fail safe situations? It's quite interesting reading some of the challenges faced by computations. Uh, for people that are, are software engineers for uh, objects that go into space, uh, there's always a chance that they have to work with, with the multiple systems because of the possibility of energetic particles in space causing a bit to switch. <laughs> Which is quite funny to think about because it's not really a problem you ever have on Earth. And I think we need to get better and just as collaborative as possible to solve these problems together. I think there's quite a bit of work currently being done. And I think the, the exciting part is that Mars One, in just by the way, when, when Mars One was announced, it caused quite a, an excitement again in space, caused somewhat of a, a small space race reignition. Um, and 
I think that's one thing that's always amazing about space. People say that a lot of technology comes out of war, and that's pretty, that's quite true, but it's sad because it's a self-destructive kind of, it's, it's, it's just tech and an advancement coming out of the nature of being self-destructive. And I think the, if you have to look at the space race to the moon, there was so much of meaningful innovation that came out of that in, in sort of a constructive way, well, more constructive than war in any way. Um, and I think, I think that, that is definitely a positive constructive innovation coming out from different people wanting to reach the same goal. And even if it's a race, it, it's what makes humans thrive. Competition is always something that makes us thrive. Yes, and and it's and yet in, as well as that, as as you touch on there, there is uh, such an important aspect of collaboration, which is what's starting to happen here. You even mentioned between you know South Africa and Australia with the um, the array. So there's uh, there is a, a collaboration that's necessary to to do great things now. I think most definitely. I think humanity has this nature of of debate, which is something that I think is always important. And we've seen this with Mars One, debate where people debate ideas and debate the feasibility of ideas. But there is a way in which you could, this goes down the wrong path in which we should have meaningful debate. And then consequently, we should have collaboration on that meaningful debate. It's pointless tearing each other apart without constructively saying, okay, how can we make what you guys say is bad better? And I think that's, that's quite important, that constructive collaboration. I think that's missing in so many parts of, of the way our society works, isn't it? Whether it's in political systems or, um, or you know, in uh, enterprise, we, we do tend to see this, unfortunately, when there's so much opportunity, as you say, to, to collaborate and, and develop something which could have constructive innovation and have social outcomes that are vastly better. Sure, sure. I definitely agree with that. It's quite interesting looking at just that aspect within a social construct that's isolated from the entire world. For example, a government. Uh, if you look at the current state of the South African government, um, there are different parties trying to discredit each other where the country needs them working together to make it better for the people. And it's something that misses, as you say, is missing in quite, quite a bit of, of humanity. And one would like to think that when people do get to go to Mars and we start to establish a community on Mars, it is one that, that because of the necessity of, of survival and the need to support each other, that perhaps some of these historical ways of operating together may, may disappear. That would be nice. <laughs> that, would, that would ideally be amazing, wouldn't it? <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking um, a question that we often get asked uh, with regards to going to Mars is, is before we even leave this planet, is there's, do you often get asked about this as well, if there's something that you would like to do or achieve or you know, something which uh, you can tick off a, off a list or something before you leave Earth? Definitely. Um, 
So I have, I kind of have a little thing I call an earth list. Earth list. Uh, I love it. It's, it's, it's all of the things that I'd like to do before, uh, before possibly going to Mars. There's a lot of travel items on it. Um, I think travel, travel is something that um, I, I once read a quote, and I'm, I'm, I'm probably going to butcher it, but anyway, I'll try. It went something along the lines of uh, travel is, is something that you could never be sorry for sp spending time or money on because it broadens your horizons. And um, from, from the little tra travel that I have done, um, I haven't had the opportunity to travel as much as I would like, but from the little travel I have done, interacting with people that are far outside your comfort zone and your social circle just changes your perception of the world so much. And I think the more you travel, the greater you become as a person. And um, it's definitely travel. I really want to go to Japan. <laughs> it's one of my, my biggest goals uh, is to go to Japan. Firstly, it's just totally opposite to anything I have ever encountered or been a part of. So, and, and it also helps that I'm kind of obsessed with the Japanese culture and technology. <laughs> Um, they're quite they're quite a hardworking people, and I'd, I'd like to experience that firsthand. Um, I also do quite a lot of adventuring, just within the context of exploring um, my own my own city. I'm fortunate enough to live in Cape Town in South Africa, and I live within the city, so I'm at the base of Table Mountain, mm, and we have we have a lot of. A lot of hikes and and walks and um, on weekends I take a bunch of friends and we go exploring. Oh, that'd be fantastic! And just to have that right at your doorstep there, how what an enriching opportunity! It's I'm I'm totally blessed. I'm very happy with where I am right now. <laughs> Is there somewhere that people can can follow your your visual experiences such as this? If if you're going to start to travel this world and and share and share those experiences, do you have an online presence with um, Instagram or Facebook or something where you share what you do? I'd say if you'd want to follow me visually, Instagram would be the best. And I'm also on Twitter, both with the same handle, which is uh, Devotion G, which is my son's name. So just at Devotion G and you will find it. Okay, fantastic. And I'll put that in the, the show notes as well so that um, people will have no problems at all. And before I, I let you go and, and, and get back to work, so thank you for taking some time out of work to speak with us, do you have any final thoughts you'd like to, to leave us with, Devarshan? If I'm sure most of your listeners are already, already science-orientated and, and very open to, to the possibility of, of colonizing other plants, but for those that are listening and are very skeptical about these possibilities, just imagine an era in which we are a multi-planet species. Like we can call more than one planet our home. I have dreamt of that day for the longest time, and I didn't think it would be possible in our lifetime. But I would, I would love to think that, and this might be the idealist in me, but I would love to think of a time where we have colonized more than two planets and we have 
two planets that we live upon that exist in a peaceful and an amazing, helpful society that help one another in progress to greater heights. That is a lovely thought to leave this podcast with. Thank you so much for your time, Devarshan. Thank you so much for having me, Diane. That was Devarshan Govinda. Thank you so much, Devarshan, for sharing your passion towards space and technology. And thank you to all of you who've been listening to our podcast series during National Science Week this year. This was our last episode. A special shout-out to Population Mars, who provided the wonderful music that we've used throughout the podcast series. You can hear more of their work by going to soundcloud.com backslash P-O-P-O-F-M-A-R-S. And a special thank you as well to National Science Week for all of their support during the month. You can find out what's been going on around your area for National Science Week if you go to the website scienceweek.net.au. I'm Di McGrath, and with Josh Richards, you've been listening to the Future Martians podcast.